This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I would say that the most important thing is to open every single door that reveals itself to you. Hmm. That's, I, that's something that I've always um, honored, uh, you know, as, as symbolic as that is, is anytime that something feels like, uh, you know, something you should investigate, do. Do investigate it, even if it seems outside of the idea of what you think you might be going for. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I never knew. I never thought. I never had an idea that I would want to make a documentary film, and it was maybe one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. Eita, Brasil, tá comigo? New York, I know you have Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla. My name is Adrian Burke, the creator and host of this show, and I'm so excited to be bringing you another episode of La Mezcla. Uh, if you aren't already, please remember to subscribe and to like the show and follow it on Facebook and Instagram and spread the word. Uh, we're still going strong despite um, an increasingly depressing state of the world. But <laughs> that notwithstanding, let's, uh, let's get into today's guest. I'm so excited this week to bring you the amazing, amazing Vanessa Wilkie Escobar. Uh, Vanessa is a recently Emmy-nominated art director for The Ellen Show. Uh, so, hey, we've got uh, we've got an Emmy-nominated person on La Mezcla. That is definitely a first. So excited about it. Uh, Vanessa is also the first time, uh, a first-time feature documentary filmmaker, uh, which we really get into in this episode for a really, really cool film called Amigo Skate Cuba. Uh, the film's about the modern-day effects of a communist dictatorship with a 50-year embargo through the microcosm of illegal skateboarding. Uh, Vanessa and I had a really, really great wide-ranging conversation about how she got into working in the film world and her slow transition into becoming a documentary filmmaker. I think you're really going to love this one, so without further ado, here is Vanessa Wilkie Escobar. We should be good to go. And my so my internet's been kind of in and out recently. So if I if I freeze, we'll just like I usually come back within like five to seven seconds, and we'll just roll through it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, all right. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Vanessa. Hi. <laughs> What's up? That transition is always so awkward. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm a little sweaty, but I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so, of course. So, welcome to La Mezcla. Um, so, this show is a, has a, a small but very devoted following. I refer to them as my mom's friends because the bulk of the fan base for the show are people that my mom has <laughs> told to listen to it. So, if you could just uh, introduce yourself to my mom's friends, give us like a quick little rundown of who you are and um, and what your mix is or where you grew up and where your parents grew up. Okay. Um, 
I, well, you want to start with my name? Okay, so I'm, my name is Vanessa Wilkie Escobar. <laughs> um, I am, um, I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican. Um, I was born in Miami, Florida. And um, uh, I am, I'm currently an art director uh, for the Ellen DeGeneres Show. And I also have directed um, a, a full-length documentary film called Amigo Skate Cuba. And um, those are my two like big things. Hello to your mom's friends and probably yes. also my mom's friends now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. See, this is how this is how shows take off, isn't it? It's just different networks yeah. of mom's friends getting. I, I think most things happen because of networks of mom's friends. <laughs> I, I I'm inclined to agree with you. So what you you said you said Florida. What part of Florida did you grow up in? Well, I didn't grow up in, well, it's a, it's a complicated story, but um, I'm from Miami, Florida. I was born in Miami, Florida. I visited Miami, Florida every single year for about a month or two to stay with my abuela uh, okay. in Westchester. Um, oh, but, shit. We're in Westchester. I, yeah. Where yeah. in Westchester? Oh, uh, Southwest uh, 29th Street in Coral Way. Oh, okay, cool. I thought I might know it, but I don't. <laughs> That would be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, and then I, I kind of like grew up bouncing around and moved to uh, different cities and went to different schools about every two years when I was growing up. So, oh, um, wow. So that's why it's hard for me to say that I grew up in Miami, even though it was kind of like my home base and I went there every year. And that's right. where most of my summers were spent and where my family is, or at least my mom's side of the family is. Um, I would be lying if I said I grew up in Miami. Uh -huh. <laughs> but you can fudge it. Like, what high school did you go to? I'm like, I don't even know the name of a high school in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so was it a moving around for a work situation? Yeah, yeah. My, step, my stepdad, um, he uh, was an entrepreneur and uh, he, you know, we just went to different cities to try different things out. So that's how wow. So, and you never spent more than a couple of years in place? Um, when I was in grade school, yeah, um, up until and up until I was in um, ninth grade, um, we had moved around about every two years, and then I stayed uh, in Melrose, Massachusetts, for until I was fifteen, sixteen, and then we moved to Columbus, Ohio, where I finished high school. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What What type of so did you have the because um, I have a few friends who were their term, not mine, who were army brats, who I think had kind of similar experiences. Yeah, I get asked uh, that a lot, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, that was my assumption, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, uh, it would be a much faster story, I think, if I could say that it was just <laughs> well, a this is an, thing. Well, this is an hour-long <laughs> podcast. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's dig in. Um, yeah, no, we, uh, my, my dad, uh, my step, I call him my dad, my, he, he's been my dad since I was four years old. So, mm -hmm. um, and my, my real father's actually not really in my life. So I don't really actually have a lot of connection to my Puerto Rican side. So I consider myself to be more Cuban than Puerto Rican, even though I'm really tight with my siblings from his first marriage that are all Puerto Rican. So interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, my, my stepdad, um, he was in, he worked for IBM and he was in computers. And so we just kind of like, you know, it was when windows was coming out and all of that. So we moved to California, we moved to Greenwich, Connecticut, we moved wow. to Boston, we were all over the place. You were, you were like a tech boom family kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what was the, what was that experience like? Like what were you, did you get to a point? I'm always fascinated by this. Like where did you get to a point where you sort of, 
stopped like committing to like putting roots down so to speak because you knew you were going to be moving or were you still like kind of pursuing friendships and relationships and like kind of putting roots down in the places you were at oh um that's a great question i feel like i was always hopeful that i would be able to you know maintain friendships i was always really you know positive in that way and um you know, I would write letters to people when I would move away and just always mm-hmm. wanted to create that. But, you know, as kids, it's hard to actually make that happen. Of course. But um, I mean, the fact that you made the effort, I think, says a lot. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I had a lot of optimism. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. I, I remember meeting a couple of kids who were like, who had the same sort of like moving every couple of years lifestyle. And I literally had one kid tell me like, don't get too close. Like, don't, don't oh. get too attached. Oh, <laughs> and I felt so bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the last move was really killer for me when I moved from Boston because I had been there for um, the longest of ever of anywhere. I think I was there for four years from uh, sept- from seventh grade, no, from sixth grade all the way up to eleventh eleventh grade. I moved halfway through my junior year. Oh wow! And yeah, I was you know I was sixteen. <laughs> so yeah. I was already yeah. like raging and then uh and then I had to move and I was like I've been here for five years like this is the most roots I've had anywhere and this right. is really disruptive and I was really upset and I and I got I got really down on that that was a that was a tough one for yeah. everyone <laughs> yeah. for sure I mean those are like those are the formative years for sure and what like yeah. what what kind of stuff were you interested at the time? Like, and what kind of crowd were you running with? I just love like middle school to high school stories. Oh yeah. Oh, I felt well, when I first moved there, I fell right in with like the, the band nerds, like all the people that were in the the marching band who ultimately like they were all musicians and artists. So that kind of made sense, you know? Did you play an instrument? I tried. I I tried. What was your hard. go-to? What was it? Uh, I well, I wanted to play guitar, and then I ended up playing bass. Okay. And I can still like play two songs, so I'm pretty proud of myself for that. That's um, awesome. Like upright I, bass or like the the electric bass. Electric bass. Got and it. Very cool. Years, you have to remember. So. Um. <laughs> Very cool choice. <laughs> Very grungy choice. Everybody had to be in you know Smashing Pumpkins or Nirvana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, we're getting the full picture <laughs> oh yeah i had the, the bleach stripes in my hair and everything <laughs> please tell me you had a like band with your friends please tell me oh yes uh-huh yeah do I you friends who was in the band oh my God. I also had a band. it was a whole thing <laughs> do you remember the the names of any of the bands that you were in no well we didn't get that far um oh we, sure we practiced in the basement for a while and then it kind of like fell apart but my 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 boyfriend's band, his band name was Obsolete, which is very Ooh. 90s as well. Yeah, that does sound very 90s. I was, um, just to um, publicly embarrass myself, I was in a band with a couple of my, and it was a very similar situation. It was like we would practice sometimes, but we never did a show, and it was like a very like private thing between us. But we were trying to make, oh, it like pains me to say it, but we were, we were a ska band. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> and and the name of the band was the Illegal Clementines. I think we were fifteen. It was one of the cringiest things I've ever done with my time on Earth. I think <laughs> that is an amazing band name. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, excellent! I mean, everybody goes through a period where they want to be a rock star. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
I'm glad that that was a short-lived moment for me. <laughs> so being on stage is not my favorite place in the world to be. Yeah, yeah. And were you were you on stage in any other capacity, or it was just music? Um, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Not in theater or anything, which is crazy for where I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that transition. So how did when did that transition start to happen to getting into theater and production and TV and that type of stuff? Well, um, there's a couple of moments that I remember. Um, I remember seeing a my like the first Bjork music video that came out, um, and watching that Chris Cunningham uh, directed music video and being like, I don't know what it takes to, to do this. Like, I don't actually understand what like I'm looking at, but I know that I want to be involved in something like this at some point. It was the human behavior music video. I don't know Ooh. if you've ever seen it. Are you, I haven't. You know? Oh, I it's haven't. so good. You need to look it up. You'll be like, okay. oh, I get it. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so um, I saw that. I was like, yep, I don't know how to get there or what, what, in what way I could be involved in this process, but I know that that's a goal for me. And I didn't know how to connect the dots at all. Mm -hmm. I, I was already doing, you know, I was taking all the art classes and everything like that in high school. And then when I went to college, I um, pursued a degree in sculpture. Oh. And so I went to Ohio State, I got a sculpture degree. I, I, I focused primarily on installation art, but I never, and I also took some film editing classes and I enjoyed that process. I enjoyed making like little short videos and things like that. Again, like still not really connecting the dots, like not mm. really like understanding. And maybe that was because my parents didn't really know how to help me connect the dots or understand yeah. what those elements could become together. Yeah. Um, were there any were there any artists in your family? Like, was there any like precedent for the kind of things that you were interested in? Not really. I mean, my sister had my older my my older stepsister who was. Um, nine years older than me, she had moved out to LA, um, I guess it must have been like nine years beforehand. And um, she was working in production uh, in some capacities, like mainly like, you know, assisting and associate producer and things like that. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, she had, she had talked about stuff, but I didn't really know, I didn't really understand what she was doing. I mean, we were such, we had such a, an age gap too. Yeah. It was, um, and we didn't grow up together, you know, we had a very short period of time living in the same home. Um, so, you know, I didn't really have those conversations with her. She wasn't really like coaching me at that time. But then later after I graduated from college, um, you know, she came up to me and she's like, Hey, what's your plan after this? You know, do you mm, terrifying question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Make more <laughs> art somehow with no money. Um, <laughs> story of my life, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah this stuff is really expensive um and she was like well you know at, and she was at that point she moved on to start doing product placement in, in films which was on the rise at the time this is like 2006 2007 and um she's like do you want to maybe come out to la and check it out and intern with my company so that you can get like a paycheck or something oh, amazing. Like, maybe you can find a job doing what you're doing currently because i was um at the time I was working as a makeup artist. So I was, um, and I, you know, I, I kind of like thought about pursuing that avenue too, but, um, but then I started getting involved in what she was doing and I didn't love her part of it because it was a lot of, you know, computer 
it was more, it was a kind of cold calling different companies and trying to see if they wanted to have their band, their brand placed in a film. Ooh, and it was like yeah. a, a lot of like contracts and negotiations and things like that, which wasn't really like my thing, but she was like, look, like, you know. Like negotiating how many times you're going to say like Subway sandwiches in a scene, like yeah, that type and thing? Yeah, and then how much you're going to give the film for it, you know, and got then it, putting the contract package together and getting it out. So it's, you know, great for her, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said as much, I was like, this is, I, thank you for introducing me to LA. Thank you so much for all your support and love. But I, I feel like I need to do something that is more hands-on. And she's mm. like, okay, let me see, you know, let me, let me think about that. And she was like, you know, we are actually working with the art department um, mm. because those are the people that are gonna be handling the props, like the Coca-Cola that's gonna be spoken, to, spoken about. Like we have to hand these things off to these people you know, maybe you can talk to the art people on the set. And she like, didn't even know who the, that right person was. And she's like, yeah. but I'll leave it to you to kind of figure that out. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll figure that out. And so finally I ended up meeting with the art director on one of the films that we were working on. And I was like, Hey, do you need an intern or something like that? You know, would I, is there a way that I could, you know, come in and, and just learn what you're doing and just kind of check it out. Here's my skill set. And she was really cool and she she was like, yeah, come on board, we'll have you PA. And so I did and I was like, this is awesome because um, I was learning how to use these materials in a different way than I was than I learned how to use them in school. Like I learned how to use them in an archival way for sculpture what, and art. What kind of materials are we talking? Because I'm completely ignorant. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Oh, just like, like, literally like wood and, and like, like just taking anything and making it into um, something else because, because, you know, sorry, I'm getting lost. So like if I was going to make a flat or uh, a wall in mm -hmm. the art department for a, mo a movie and I wanted to have a plaster finish, I wouldn't use the same materials necessarily, or I wouldn't build it in the same way necessarily as I would for a house or for something that needs to last a long time. It's a, you use it in a much more disposable manner so that it's cheaper, it's lighter weight and mm -hmm get rid of it really easily. No. And I thought that was fascinating because I'm really nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating to me and I like, you know, tell jokes in basements. So I'm interested. <laughs> I was, I was really into it. And so I kind of was like, okay, well, I guess I could stick around here for a while. And, um, you know, when you, whenever you like anything in life, you get good at it. I think I really believe mm. in that, you know, you have to enjoy what you're doing in order to get good at it. Um, at least that's how it works for me. So yeah. I no. liked it, <laughs> and Absolutely. I got better at it. <laughs> and the um, the the family was supportive of the of the arts. Clearly, if you're if you went to school for sculpture, right? What was that conversation like? Um, 
yeah, no, they were supportive of it. You know, there were definitely a lot of conversations like, what is your plan? How do you foresee this turning into something that you can live off of? And, you know, I think that in the same entrepreneurial spirit as my dad, I always had ideas. I was always like, well, what if I created a website that you could, you know, um, bid like eBay on art pieces that are coming from art students and like just coming mm. up with like random stuff like that. And my, that and my is really cool. Really supportive of the ideas. And, you know, I didn't really necessarily end up pursuing a lot of them, but I think that they were like, they were supportive of the fact that I was coming up with ideas and that it mm. wasn't just, um, it wasn't just like, I'm going to just make some stuff and hope that it, does something i don't know yeah, yeah. no i mean i can i can relate to that I, uh, just on the like on the latin mom level like of the like okay it's great that you're doing this can you do you have an idea for how this could i don't know make you money and like give you a stable yeah. life how is this going to put food on your table eventually? yes yes yeah. i mean it's, there's always that question right it's like you could they've always been supportive of whatever as long as they maybe i had a next step idea Mm -hmm. whatever that was and that that idea can change all the time you know they're yeah. not asking me for an end goal i think they realized early on that that wasn't working with me i think yeah. they realized that if you asked me like what what do you want to be when you grow up i didn't have i never had an answer for that question right and it right. was terrifying <laughs> if you ask me now what i want to be when i grow up i don't have an answer for that question i don't either it's just <laughs> a it's just a dumb question that we like force on kids honestly it's terrifying like, um <laughs> I don't know. What am I going to be good at in 10 years? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or like even, I don't even know what I'm going to be interested in a week from now, let alone like 10 years from now. I know. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so talk to me about like building a life in LA and like what kind of like, I, I, I'm just curious about like how I'm just one of the major themes of the show over the course of its run has been just like seeing how people's, uh, like their how their work circles change how their social circles change and like how how in touch are you still maybe with the culture that you were raised in are you like how how is all that kind of stuff evolving um well it's a big question um so i think that um there's a couple of components that i can that i can tackle there because like i said i kind of have a twofold such like, I, I very much enjoy having multiple plates spinning. Um, okay. My, uh, like I, 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 I get like a thrill out of it, um, uh -huh. maybe to a fault. So I really enjoy pursuing, like when I started the process of making the documentary film, um, that came from uh, a sidestep that I ended up taking um, when I was about uh, 20, seven years old, I was working, I had been working in art department in the capacity, like I was telling you. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I wanted to understand the way that the film world worked more intimately because I didn't have the education. Um, so I decided that I needed to sidestep and learn what made production tick and understand why I was getting the rates that I was getting instead of getting the rates that I thought I should be getting, or I was getting the budgets that I was getting for projects instead of what I thought the budget was valued at, or the film was valued at. I wanted to mm -hmm. understand where all of that came from. And um, so I found a production company, actually through our mutual friend, Roger, 
Um, shout out to Roger. <laughs> shout out to Roger. Um, who, um, who let me come in and start with them as um, a, pro a producer, essentially. Like I, I started off, you know, with music videos and things like that with them. And, you know, they were not paying me very much at all, but I learned a lot while I was there. And I spent about a year and a half with them, um, just kind of learning how the, the bones of production works on this really small scale. And I think that that really helped me to uh, get to um, a place where I could speak to um, productions and, and larger and larger shows in a, in a more intelligent way. And cool. I think that was really helpful for me. Um, and the now, documentary ended up coming out of that relationship? Well, partially. So what I, so what happened there too, is that I met this, I met this skateboarder whose name is Manny Santiago and he's Puerto Rican and we hit it off. And also his, um, his manager, uh, Sheldon Lewis, uh, we all became friends and they came to this production company that I was working at and they wanted to create a show. They wanted to do like a reality show um, following Manny and his um, roommates and because they're all skaters and like he had a big ramp in the backyard and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that sounds really fun. But I couldn't, I couldn't get my boss to, to get into it. He was like, I just don't see how this is going to work. Like this, look, this sounds like a YouTube thing that is just not going to be lucrative and I don't know how we're going to get funding for it. And I just don't want to do it. And I was like, well, would you care if I did it on my own? And he mm. was like, I mean, you can do whatever if you want to, if you want to pursue that, go ahead. So I did. And I left, I left his company pretty much wow. there. And, um, he replaced me really quickly. <laughs> um, he was fine. Um, we're still friends. Um, remember, like this is like like low rung stuff. So like there's right, always right. somebody who's hungry to come in and, and get paid very little to just be learning, right? Oh yes. So, so I went and um, started doing this music video. I got some funding um, from uh, this online. It was an online male oriented magazine website. And wow. so they wanted to create some content for their website, for their YouTube channel. So I was like, okay, well, I just need like $20,000 to do this video or this um, series that I want to create with Manny. Cause we went through, we went through everything and we're like, you know, what does this really want to be? And he's like, well, I have an event that I think that maybe would be more fun and we could use it as maybe a pitch for um, creating the full on show. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about that. So he wanted to go to Puerto Rico and record um, this, um, uh, competition that he does every year, the Prince of Puerto Rico skate competition he hosts. And, uh, he gets all of his friends down there together and he brings a bunch of skaters from the, from here down there with him and whatever. Nice. So I was like, that sounds awesome. So I went with all of those guys down to Puerto Rico and we filmed like, uh, over the course of five days, maybe seven. And, um, we had three, we created three episodes of the Prince of Puerto Rico and all of it, like, you know, we did a, we did a fundraiser at the YMCA down there, or I'm sorry, the Boys and Girls Club down there. We went to different locations around Puerto Rico to, um, you know, just watch the guys skate and like do different, do different tricks and stuff like that. And oh, then yeah. we ended up doing a competition on the last day with a drone. It was like, it was super rad. And it was a great, 
awesome first experience for me. It was my first time to Puerto Rico. I don't know anything about skateboarding. So that mm. was, um, that was really fun. That was a fun element to it too. And you were um, directing, right? I was directing and producing. Yeah. Wow. And I had, yeah. So, and I had one skate camera and I had, uh, another, uh, handheld camera. I brought a, uh, one, uh, producer with me to help you know, kind of like track all of the dialogue and everything that we're doing so we could actually create our storyline. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it went, it went really, really well. And we had a great time and the product came out really, really well. The client was happy and I was like, I can't believe I just did that. That's so awesome. <laughs> um, and what was really great about it too, is that I learned something amazing. Like I learned amazing things about skateboarding. I learned about the fact that skateboarding is uh, it's such an individual sport, but it's also a group activity. Like it's yeah. all about people supporting one another and cheering each other on until they get this one trick, land this one thing that they've been working on for like a month mm. or the day or whatever it is. And then everyone celebrates that moment and it's a community. And the community goes beyond the skateboard, which is a really beautiful thing too. And I was like, I love skateboarding. I wish I could do it. I'm still terrified of it, but I have you tried? I really admire, yeah, no, I fall every time. It's really. <laughs> well, <laughs> I tried. I I had a really unfortunate uh, middle school phase where I tried to learn. It went really poorly. It went really bad. <laughs> I'm more of like a, a a dual foot sport person. Like I like uh -huh. skating and skiing. Anything sure. where like two feet are stuck on one device is automatically a not good thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we learn our limits. This is how we learn our limits. I'm very good at knowing my limits. <laughs> <laughs> Advice for anybody out there, if you want to learn some type of extreme sport, just make a documentary about it, and then you'll figure out if you're going to be good at it. <laughs> there's a, there's, that is an option for how you can learn that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then that eventually led to uh, pursuing more things, and that's how I ended up creating the documentary film um, in Cuba was, I was in Miami and I, um, I was just chatting with a friend of mine who's an artist down there, uh, in Wynwood. And we, you know, he was, we were just catching up. He's like, what have you been up to? I told him about the, the series and he was all pumped about it. He's like, you know, I know somebody that you might be interested in if you wanted to do another piece. And I was like, well, who is it? And he told me about this guy, Rene LaCour, who um, is a Miami local, and he uh, has a charity organization called Amigo Skate Cuba that basically collects gear from vendors and people around uh, Miami and you know all over the world now, and um, smuggles it all into Cuba and gives it away Whoa. to all the kids down there. And I was like, oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> that is <laughs> awesome and I need to learn more about it so in the same trip I'm just down in Miami visiting my parents by the way like that's mm -hmm. that's how this happens and so sometimes all you got to do is go back to your roots to find the sometimes best you gotta go back to your roots and so I met him and he's Cuban-American and we hit it off like amazingly like within the first 10 minutes I had brought my camera with him with me just in case and I was like can I just get like a little interview with you just like because I was thinking I got to get funding for this. Like I, mm. I knew the idea, I knew what he was doing was really special. And I was like, I just gotta, if I can just get, I can't afford to come back to Miami again to get a clip with you. So right. I brought the camera and I was like, do you mind if I just do a really quick interview with you? So I did. And then I got in the car and 
I couldn't even wait to get home. I stopped at like a Red Robin or something. And I called <laughs> um, my friend who had shown interest in doing a project with me and he's a DP and um, a producer. And I was like, hey, uh, I, I think we're gonna go to Cuba. Like, I think, I think we're gonna go to Cuba and make a film. Mm-hmm. He's like, what happened? And I told him everything and he was, and he was blown away. He's like, how are we gonna afford this? I'm like, I, I don't know, I'm gonna figure that out though. And so then I went off and started figuring out how to get funding. And then we went to Cuba with Renee. That is so awesome. Yeah, that was five years ago, five years ago, the first trip. The first, and how many trips have you taken? Three trips to Cuba. The Got first it. one was 21 days, the second was 11, and then the third was nine. And I miss it, it's so, it's so amazing. Yeah. Everyone is so amazing down there. I made some wonderful, beautiful friends. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. I've heard nothing but beautiful things about Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was amazing. You know, it's like the story that Renee, and this goes back to your question. I'm going to get mm-hmm. there. I know. I promise. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. We're, this is all gold. This is all great. <laughs> um, uh, so the amazing thing about meeting Renee, one of the very first things we talked about was, um, you know, for like I asked him, you know, what was it like when you first got to Cuba because I have this kind of anxiety about going there because I have this um, postcard image in my mind of what it's going to look like because that's all I've ever seen or heard. And I have all like all these impressions of stories that my grandmother told me when I was growing up that, you know, I, I, they're so crazy. I can barely believe it. And he's like, it, he's like, I know exactly what you're feeling. And it's, it's actually both things. It's the postcard and all of those stories at the same time. And I can't actually describe it to you, but it's, it's just, it's incredible. You have to go. And that's when he decided that he was going to do whatever he had to do in order to get me through the red tape. Cause you know, obviously like you can't just take recording equipment down to Cuba. Yeah, no. no and so he's like, no, we're going to figure out how to smuggle you and your crew in. Just, just tell me, just tell me when you want to go. We'll figure out everything. You don't have to worry about the red tape. You'll just come with my chair. Wow. Wow. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I'm so happy it worked out because you don't want to necessarily get caught smuggling a film crew into Cuba. No, you don't. But I had, I did have one hiccup. Um, my, my sound guy that I brought down, we had we had um, we had done what Renee does, and we took all of our our video gear and we split it all up amongst all of our bags. So there was right. five of us in our crew, and we mixed it all up and we put some skate gear in there, you know, just so that it didn't look like one person just having it. And then uh, Chris, my producer director, he went in with his backpack, but he was like, "I'm a really intense like photographer, you know, guy, and I'm just really into." Smart. My hobby. Smart, you know? smart, smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my one sound guy didn't um he didn't hide the like the lock the log properly. Ooh. So it was Ooh. it was like in his carry-on and they went through it and they were like, well, what is this? So the problem with that is that they thought it was spy gear and they right. took it and they they were like, look, we're gonna put it into our storage. Here's a number, and you can Come and get it when you're done. You know when you're leaving Cuba. And mm. he's like, that may, may that may or may not ever happen for us. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that might have just been like two thousand dollars down the drain, but okay. Yeah. But wow. the problem was that then we were left with one mic and one boom, and that's it. 
for the whole wow. 21 days. And we were like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. But we made it work. Wow. I mean, walking around Cuba with a boom is not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm stressed out just thinking about that whole operation, but I'm so glad you were able to pull it off. Yeah, it was incredible. And, you know, it was very important to, for me to realize that all those stories were, on, were, were true on so many levels, too, that my grandmother told me. Your abuela stories. Yeah, my abuela stories, because, you know, she talked about people smuggling things into Cuba. And so one of the very first things I talk about in the documentary is that mm. she used to have this jacket. I never saw it. My mom saw it. There was like a, a trench coat and she would smuggle all of these things in a lining that she had inside of the coat. So it was like two layers and then there's like all these secret pockets and she would hide sponges and soaps and Advil's and things like, you know, yeah. things that are like silly to us. Yo, I can't tell I you, I can't tell you how much our, my abuela has been smuggling things into this country and out of this country, frankly, like the entire time I've been alive. Like, yeah, it, she would, mom uh, still does it. She would like what my abuela used to do, like, cause my, my mom and my abuela are really into gardening and plants. Uh, so my abuela would take like bulbs of plants that were not allowed to be transported internationally. And she would pack it like it was a gift. She'd like put it in a little bag with all the little like crinkly paper. And at customs, they'd look at her and she's like this adorable old lady. And she's yeah. like, un regalo para mi hija. Like just a gift for my kid. And they just like, go ahead, go through. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, because you got to get it, you got to get it by. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, just, just knowing that all that, all that was real and seeing it happening, even if it was skateboards, right? So that's kind of the metaphor for the film is that we're doing, we're smuggling them with skateboards. But for me, it was, it was another thing. It was just kind of like learning and seeing the process that she might have gone through, walking in her steps and walking in her shoes and, and kind of understanding what that world was like for her and realizing it for myself for the first time. Oh, so. that's beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> is she, is she, is she in the documentary at all? No, my, my would have passed. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear. Sorry no, to hear. No, that's okay. My mom's in it. Oh, yay. I love yes. it. A family affair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So, and what's, uh, what point in the process are you at? Because you're pretty far along, right? It's about to be Oh, yeah, no, or... it's finished. It's in distribution. And um, we are uh, hopefully going to be seeing it on video on demand very soon. And maybe even other platforms like Yes. Fingers crossed. We'll see. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, no, I want every, I want to watch this. And I want every all of my mom's friends to watch this. It sounds this entire <laughs> project is unbelievably up this show's alley. Like everything you were just talking about, about being in touch with your grandparents' culture, about like confirming certain stories and learning the reality behind it. Like that's very, very, very in lockstep with kind of the whole spirit of the show. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I know this is, it's always so fun to share that, that story in those moments. And, uh, you know, it's a really big part of my life. And, you know, for some, like I, I haven't actually like physically made a sculpture or like an artwork uh, in the traditional sense of the word um, in a very long time. But I love to think that that's like my next, my way of connecting with the physical arts. Cause I don't know, just making that piece, but with, with my grandmother really, I know I was making it with her. So, mm. yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh man, I just got a little emotional. 
I miss my <laughs> I miss my abuela. Um, so we're like sort of running low on time, but I guess we'll I guess we'll end on this. Um, I guess for anybody uh, who's kind of like trying to build an arts career, kind of investigating themselves and maybe trying to figure out what they want to do, like in a similar sometimes aimless but also always like curious way that we were talking about earlier on the call like what type of advice do you give to younger people who are trying to figure it out pandemic notwithstanding i guess um i would say that the most important thing is to open every single door that reveals itself to you Hmm. that's i that's something that i've always um honored uh you know, as symbolic as that is, is anytime that something feels like, uh, you know, something you should investigate, do, do Mm. investigate it. Even if it seems outside of the idea of what you think you might be going for. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I never knew, I never thought, I never had an idea that I would want to make a documentary film. And it was maybe one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. And, uh, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't open the door. I love that. Open the door. Open the open the GD door, everybody. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> kind of emotional. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. oh my god! Oh, please stop. You're gonna you're gonna pull me there too. Uh, or do keep going. That's the point of anything we make at the end of the day, right? It's to affect each other. Um, yeah, it's true. But Vanessa, thank you so much for being here. This is a total total pleasure. Oh well, thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. And I, you know what? I'm sure it's the first of many. Oh, awesome. Well, I'd love to be back sometime. That would be awesome. A hundred million percent. A hundred million percent. Yay. <laughs> you know, we shine on them. I was searching for a perfect place and time to get peace of mind. It wasn't. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Vanessa Wilkie Escobar for coming in. Uh, everybody, please be sure to check out Amigo Skate Cuba. Uh, you can follow the socials, which are in the description to this episode. Uh, you can also follow the socials for this show, which are also in the description to this episode. Um, please remember to like, review, rate, and subscribe, and all that shit. Um, thank you to uh, Authentic Talent Literary Management for hooking the show up. Thank you to Zoom, I guess, even though I hate you, Zoom. Uh, and thank you to you for listening to the show. Please uh, look out for another one next week, and uh, I hope you have a great one. We'll be back next week with more La Mezcla. Seja tranquila, comida essa vida por uma mulher bonita não vacila, na não pisa na bola. Eu perdi meu caminho, mas lembrei da volta. Agarra tua chance de sucesso e não solta. Não paro pra nada, cara, nem quebra mola. Melhor coisa que eu fiz foi pra escola. Olha só como é que o mundo roda. Joguei fora energia negativa e em troca ganhei inspiração. Então anota aí, eu só quero ser feliz, morrendo tendo orgulho das coisas boas que eu fiz. And of all that I know for all that I live Love and loyalty is as real as it gets Put your L's up in the air like this So put your L's up in the air like this I got a long way to go But as far as I know I'ma stay on this road, man What? Chega pra cá, chega pra cá Chega pra cá, chega pra cá Eu tenho muita pista pra pegar Então se tá comigo, vamos lá Ei, vamos lá
Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.